Hello, Dog Days nerds. Today is Tuesday, August 17th, 2021. Before I get going, let's send out some best wishes to our Dog Days brother, Michael Butler, whose home is being threatened by one of the fires out there. His mountain home, I should say, not his his first home. But uh, he's had to evacuate, so he and his family are safe. But uh, let's hope the, the house survives. Good luck, Michael. Also, Craig and Chuck found an interesting article about the use of isotopes. I will try to mention the article uh, in an upcoming episode, but thanks guys for sending that. It was really interesting. Anyway, yesterday we talked about brachytherapy, where you simply place a radioactive source near cancer cells. That's not always easy to do if the cancer is more widespread or harder to get to. In some cases, you can instead use targeted radioisotope therapy. I'll mention two variations on how to do this. Method one, this uses the natural affinity of some, some organs have for certain elements. For example, iodine has a strong affinity for the thyroid gland, so much so that in the aftermath of a nuclear accident, or a nuclear bomb, it is best practice to dose survivors with a stable iodine-127, which of course is non-radioactive, to minimize the thyroid uptake of radioactive iodine-129 and 131, which are fission product isotopes. All natural iodine is iodine-27. The idea is if you flood your thyroid with iodine-127, the radioactive versions that you're breathing in because of the nuclear accident won't go into your thyroid. They'll just pass through you. Using the same idea, iodine-131 is used to deliver radioactivity to the thyroid to treat thyroid cancer. This may seem a paradox, delivering to the diseased thyroid the very same isotope that can cause thyroid cancer. However, the treatment depends on the fact that cancer cells are replicating at a much faster rate than normal cells. That's much of what makes cancer cancer. A single dose of iodine-131 will not only target that thyroid, but will be preferentially toxic to proliferating cells of the tumor. If you recall episode 10, King Richard, I introduced the fact that strontium mimics calcium. Thus, radioactive strontium, specifically strontium-89, can be used to treat patients with bone cancer by feeding patients strontium salts or via infusion. Strontium quickly makes its way to bones and emits beta particles, high-energy electrons. Likewise, radium can be used. As with, as with strontium, radium is in the same group as calcium and mimics calcium and finds its way to bones. Radium-223 is used for this. All natural radi radium is radioactive, and very little is found on Earth, so surely they must synthesize radium-223. The brand name for this treatment is called Zofi Zofigo, Zofigo, and it's used to treat bone cancer that began in the prostate. I don't know why. Radium-223 is an alpha particle emitter, which if you recall... In one of the earlier episodes, maybe episode four, roughly, an alpha particle is the nucleus of a helium-4 atom, and it's actually a large particle compared to beta particles or gamma rays, 
As such, alpha particles cannot penetrate more than a few cells. And that's good since the radium-223 is right there where the cancerous cells are. Sometimes you can't find anything natural that targets particular cells. So enter method two. In this case, a biochemist can synthesize a molecule that targets specific cancer cells and also carries the radioactive isotope. The drug Zevalin joins radioactive yttrium-90 with, with an antibody that itself binds to B cells, which are part of the immune system. B cells are lymphocytes that are involved in the creation of antibodies. They themselves are susceptible to malignant transformation. Zevalin seeks out B cells, binds to them, and delivers the yttrium-90, which kills the malignant B cells. Note, yttrium has only one stable isotope, yttrium-89. Yttrium-90 is radioactive with a half-life of just three days, and it emits both beta particles and gamma rays. There are many radiotherapy treatments that work via both of these methods discussed today. By the way, in the 2000s, I worked for a company in Indianapolis called Semaphore Pharmaceuticals. It doesn't exist anymore. Worked there for about five years. We created an anti-cancer drug. My boss created the drug, employing the second method, except we didn't use anything radioactive. Instead, we attached a regular anti-cancer molecule to a small peptide. A peptide is a group of amino acids. In this case, just four amino acids stuck together. This specific grouping of amino acids attached themselves to certain tumor cells and thus deliver our anti-cancer molecule. So we, we had an anti-cancer drug. We attached it to the peptide. The peptide naturally seeks out certain tumor cells, and then that delivers our anti-cancer drug. Unfortunately, this never made it out of trials. It was too toxic even to healthy cells. My job was to improve the synthesis of the drug. When I first started, we could only make milligram amounts. This is, uh, you know, in the very tiniest palm of your hand, like little, just a few grains of it, a few grains of salt to the point where I could make many grams of it. And then we farmed it out to a company in India that made kilograms of it, many pounds of it. So I spent years trying to improve the synthesis. Anyway, the point of that is it's, well, one point is that it employs that method number two. And number two, it's really hard to make anti-cancer drugs. All right, talk to you tomorrow.